You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we returned here with another episode of Locked On Ravens. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. Today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your next order. And we return here. It is Monday, not a Mock Draft Monday, and we don't need Mock Draft Mondays anymore. We can throw those aside for... The next few months here, a ton of months, is we finally have the 2021 Ravens draft class. All three days of the draft went by on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The Ravens picking in almost all seven rounds. They actually didn't have a sixth or seventh round pick for the first time in franchise history. But the Ravens still selecting eight players who I think are going to be very solid contributors for this team for many years to come. So there's a lot to talk about here today. Obviously, a lot to talk about and break down over the next couple of weeks, couple of months is we just digest this draft class, talk about what roles guys are going to fill the rookies and talk about where the rookies fit in on the team, where the Ravens still have a few holes on their team right now and whether those could be filled with free agents or with trades because the draft is over. No more drafts, you know, undrafted free agents. You know, the Ravens haven't announced their official class there have been rumors, you know, for example, Ardarius Washington and Adrian Ely. Numbers on those contracts have come out, so it seems like those guys are pretty much set in stone, signed Ravens, like everything's official, because until it's officially announced, guys can be announced as signing somewhere, but it's not actually official yet. So we'll see how the undrafted Ravens class looks in 2021. Probably in the next couple days, it could even be announced today. But right now with the recording of this show, I don't have that official information right now. But for the Ravens, again, eight draft picks, eight good selections at a bunch of different positions. So in the first segment, we're just going to talk about round one again. I know that I did my initial breakdown on Friday's show of the first round. I dedicated a segment to both. Rashad Bateman and Adafi Owe, but now we're going to just talk about them both in this first segment. In the second segment, we'll break down rounds two and three. The Ravens only having two picks in round three, though. And then in the final segment, day three, four through seven, the Ravens drafting four guys on day three there. So we'll just get into this entire draft class over the course of this show, talk about where they fit on the team, how they affect current Ravens, veteran Ravens on the roster right now, and much, much more. So with all that being said, we're going to get right into it, but I know we might have a lot of new listeners here today because this is the first episode post-draft of the 2021 draft. So if you haven't already, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. There might be a bit of issues with Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Still, I do want to put that out there. So if it doesn't come out on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, if it's not there, it's somewhere else on Megaphone, Stitcher, Odyssey. There are a bunch of places that our podcast can be found here. So be sure to follow anywhere. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Again, anywhere there's a podcast, we're there. We put out our content Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Also, if you haven't already, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Ravens for the show account and at KOSTRIKER34 for my personal account that includes any Ravens news analysis, updates, historical perspectives, game updates, free agency updates, draft updates, and much more. So with all that being said, we are going to jump right in here, starting off with round one with the Ravens' two selections. And the Ravens, I think, surprised a lot of people 
in round one by not trading either of their first-round selections. Number 27 was their original selection, and then number 31 was the pick that they got in the Orlando Brown Jr. trade, and they they didn't go anywhere. There was a lot of speculation that Eric DaCosta could have moved up with one of his draft picks, likely number 27, then moved back with another in number 31. I I was saying that was a pretty likely possibility because the Ravens didn't have a second-round pick. I thought they would want one, but they liked two guys on their board, and that was Rashad Bateman at number 27 and Adafe Owe at number 31. So we'll talk about Rashad Bateman first. I love this pick. I think this pick was a phenomenal selection for this team. People have been clamoring all offseason for the Ravens to go out there, get Lamar Jackson, that true number one wide receiver. And yes, Rashad Bateman is a rookie. Let's let's not forget that. He is going to come into the league. He's going to have some growing pains. It's not all going to be sunshine or rainbows with Rashad Bateman Come, you know, week one, he's not going to go out there and produce 150 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, look, he might, and I hope he does, but there are probably going to be some growing pains along the way just because he is a rookie, and we'll see what ends up happening. But with Bateman, he's someone who is not, you know, the tallest guy in the world. There are reports and measurements, you know, he's playing at 6'3", he's playing at 6'2". He's more around the six feet range. Could be maybe six feet one, but I think he said in his press conference he was six feet But he's someone who goes up for the football, very able to go up there, high point the football, get up to the catch point, make contested catches, such a good route runner too. That's one of my favorite parts, actually. You know, I want to talk about that for a tiny bit right here. Rashad Bateman probably has some of the sharpest routes in this entire draft class. Des Fitzpatrick, another one of those guys, he goes to the Tennessee Titans on day three. But Bateman, you know, posting all these workout videos, seeing what he does with pads on as well. All right, it's one thing to run these routes in shorts and in workout videos and say, hey, I can move like this without pads on, but he can do it with the pads on too. He gets open, he creates space, can work over the middle of the field, can get on the outside as well. He is very versatile in the fact also that he can work both inside and outside with his routes, but he can also play both outside and inside. The Ravens can put him at X if they want. They could probably try him out at Z as well. You could put him in the slot too, but I anticipate Bateman playing more on the outside for this team and the Ravens probably utilizing Marquise Brown, Devin DuVernay, and maybe James Prochet in the slot as well there, but he can move inside if needed. Bateman is someone who just has all these tools. You know, he's not going to wow anybody with his elite speed or anything. He has some speed, but he's not a speedster. And frankly, the Ravens didn't need another speedster. They have Marquise Brown. They have Devin DuVernay. They needed a specific receiver, I think, to be able to go out there and just catch contested footballs, create separation, have good acceleration. Doesn't have the best acceleration, but he still has good acceleration just because Someone doesn't have, you know, this elite trait doesn't mean they're not good at it. I think that's a misconception nowadays where, oh, this guy doesn't do this phenomenally, so he's not good. No, Rashad Bateman does a little bit of everything well. And I think as he learns the NFL game, he's going to be a great selection and he'll turn into a great selection, a great weapon for Lamar Jackson. He seems excited to be in Baltimore, was saying that, you know, he'll do whatever Lamar Jackson needs him to. He's excited to be in the offense. Those are the types of things you like to hear. And sure, maybe some of it is just player speak, you know, just saying, hey, I'm happy to be here, right? Let's just get to work. But it truly seems like he's excited to be a Baltimore Raven. And that's one of the good things that I like to see out of all these guys, the excitement, the hunger, let's get to work, let's win a Super Bowl, right? Those are all good things for me. So Rashad Bateman, an A pick in my book here, such a phenomenal pick. For this team, though, they were not done selecting Adafe Owe, the edge rusher out of Penn State. Now for Owe... 
He was someone who was projected to go, I think, around this area, late first, early second rounder. He was someone who a lot of people thought tested his way into the first round. And to an extent, you know, that might be true. Ran an unofficial 4-3-6 at his pro day. That's insane. He's an athletic freak. He's a 6'5", 257-pound edge rusher. To run a 4'3", 6", or even if, even if you want to call it a 4'3", there were multiple times put out there. 4'3", 6", 4'3", 7", 4'3", that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. He is someone who is an athletic freak. One of the best testers, athletic testers in the draft. And the Ravens, they seem to value throughout the three days here, really, really good athletic testers. And, you know, you, you can't teach some of these traits. You can't teach that speed. You can't teach some of these traits that these guys have. And for the Ravens, I think they trust their coaching and they say, hey, look, we want to trust our coaching to be able to go in there, work with Owe and create, you know, a very disruptive pass rusher. But the thing is, he's already a disruptive player. The thing with Owe is he did not have a ton of production at Penn State. No sacks in 2020. That was the big thing. Did not have a single sack in 2020. I believe only posted seven sacks throughout his entire college career. I think two his first year, five his second year, and none in his third year. That, that's a little concerning, but I mean, other guys on the board for the Ravens, they just didn't think highly enough of. I know that some people would link Christian Barmore to the Ravens. Some people would link Aziz Ojolari, Tevin Jenkins. There were a few guys who I probably maybe would have picked instead of Adafi Owe, but at the end of the day, the Ravens got their guy. They trust their coaching staff. The Ravens have been very good at developing late round picks with good traits. Now you have a first round pick with better traits, not saying that the guys they drafted in the later rounds didn't have those good traits, but Owe has freaky traits. He's a freak. But when what he brings already is something where he's disruptive. I think most people would probably call him a disruptor in this draft class. He's someone who wreaks havoc at the line, a very good run defender, works well in space, can chase down the quarterback. You know, doesn't have necessarily Patrick Queen sideline to sideline speed, but he can run. I mean, he can run with some of these guys they're probably going to try to make him into what they want in terms of a, a prototypical Ravens edge rusher, which is you're able to defend the run, you're able to drop back in coverage, and you're able to rush the passer at a high level. You know, if he can do all three of those things well, and he already does a couple of them well, I think that the Ravens, this is a home run pick for them. I mean, he'll, he's someone who takes good angles. He also is able to use his skills well, but now it's a matter of just going and getting the quarterback on the ground. He was somewhat of a decent guy to pressure the quarterback. He got pressure on the quarterback, but is I think Ravens fans are very tired of hearing pressures are good, but you know, sacks are obviously better. And you know, it's one thing to actually disrupt the quarterback, but it's another to actually get the quarterback on the ground. So I think that this pick for me is a B. You know, it's a very solid selection. I don't think anything is wrong with it. There there were probably a few players I would have taken over OA, but the Ravens trust themselves. You know, they trust their board. They trust their coaching staff. They trust their mentors. Owe now gets to learn from guys like Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf, Pernell McPhee. If Justin Houston is brought to Baltimore, which at this point he hasn't been, that's another guy to be able to mentor Owe. So yeah, this is this was a good first round for the Ravens. I think they addressed two very big needs in receiver and edge rusher, two which I thought they were going to address early, if not on round one, probably, you know, on day two in round three, or if they had traded back in round two. So I think this was a great draft for Baltimore in round one, got two very good playmakers. So my grades for Bateman and Owe, an A and a B. We're going to head into our first break here, but when we return, we're going to be talking about the Ravens' day two of the 2021 draft, getting into their two round three picks. So stay tuned for that, and we will be back soon. 
Hey Ravens fans, listen up. Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T, text DRAFT to 231231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testofen, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231231. That's draft to 231231. Messages and data rates may apply. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NHL, NBA, and all of the UFC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And we return here with our second segment of this Monday edition of Locked On Ravens. Your host, Kevin Ostriker, is still hanging out with you here. And we just talked about the Ravens' round one picks in the 2021 NFL Draft. But now we're going to get into day two, so rounds two and three of the 2021 draft and how the Ravens maneuvered through them. And the short answer is they didn't. They stayed put. They had picks 94 and 104, and they took two people at 94 and 104. So this was a bit of a a rough start to the night for a lot of Ravens fans, probably the Ravens organization. There were a lot of good players available. Uh, Really, there were players available, good players available for the Ravens when they picked at 94. They got guard Ben Cleveland at 94. That was a great pick. We'll talk about that in a second. But there were so many good players who went off the board before the Ravens were able to pick. Some guys fell to... I think picks that weren't expected. It was a lot of really harsh falls for a couple of really good prospects. A couple that hurt a little bit more than others. Jeremiah Usukoromoa, someone I've been talking about on this show for months, going to the Cleveland Browns. So the Ravens will have to see him twice a year. And then also Creed Humphrey going to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, that one was also pretty tough, (laughs) seeing the Chiefs pretty much rebuild their entire offensive line throughout the course of really just a couple months, or even the past couple weeks with Orlando Brown. Junior, they then go and they take Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith as well, a nice day three prospect for them. So, but again, a lot of really, really good prospects falling. The Ravens getting one of their own though. You know, they did not miss out on the good prospect haul that a lot of teams got here in day two. Pick 94, I've talked about it a little bit there. Ben Cleveland, the guard out of Georgia. Now, Cleveland, I talked about on my show a couple times and I said that he'd be a great fit in what the Ravens do and that did not change. That scouting report that I had on him has not changed and the fact that he is a Raven makes me very, very happy. Cleveland is what a lot of people say, you know, a mauler. I think a mean mauler in the run game, and that's really how I would describe him too. He, He takes people's souls. I mean, kind of what Ben Powers already does for this Ravens team. Ben Cleveland's going to step in there too. And if he wins that starting job, he's going to take the soul of plenty of defensive players over the course of his NFL career. Now for Cleveland... I think that, you know, for Baltimore in particular, right, you can talk about his fit with a bunch of other teams, but he is a Raven now. So for the Ravens, he's going to be someone who will probably be vying for that left guard spot. I think Cleveland will be able to at least put up a good fight for it. It will probably honestly be between Ben Cleveland, Ben Powers, Ben Bredesen. Three Bens taking on that left guard job. If there's an 
over under and odds for you know how many Bens are gonna be in competition for the starting job and another one for if a Ben is gonna win the starting left guard job it's a pretty good bet to make so the Ravens are going to have some really lively I think competition Ben Powers played pretty all right at right guard for the Ravens in 2020 you know some ups some downs but I think Cleveland offers them a bit higher of a ceiling than Powers does Powers struggled a bit at times in 2020 Cleveland will certainly struggle at times too no NFL player is gonna be perfect but I think Cleveland he, he just fits more very good in pass protection as well he's someone who has a very strong base very strong anchor uses heavy hands Someone who gets out into space well as well. He can get up to the second level. You know, he he gets to the second level well, not amazingly, but gets to that second level well enough to the point where if the Ravens use him at left guard, they can use him as a puller and they can use him to get out into open space and take on a defensive back or a linebacker. And even when they're running straight power, straight downhill, Cleveland can seal off one side, get to the second level, seal off the other with a linebacker and create a hole. That's something that I really like about his game in general. So overall, a very nice fit for what the Ravens do on offense. He was he was met for a power scheme. And the Ravens, I think, probably will be changing their scheme a little bit in 2021 to the point where they'll probably throw the football a bit more. They might use some more sweeps and all that. But I still think that for the Ravens, Cleveland fits. Cleveland fits what they want to do, and they now have multiple players at the you know guard spots. Like you can even put Kevin Zeitler in this conversation as well, at the left guard spot, right guard spot, who fit their style of offense. And I'm not saying that Powers doesn't fit their style of offense because he does. Same thing with Bredesen, but I think Cleveland will probably win the starting job come Week One. It could be Powers. Now, what we did see, it was a bit of a shift last year for the Ravens, right? Marshall Yonder retires. The right guard job, seemingly in Week One, at least, or leading up to Week One, is between Tyree Phillips, Ben Powers, and DJ Fluker. And everybody expected DJ Fluker to win the job because oh, he's the veteran and he'll get that nod because the Ravens they don't like to play rookies early, which is true. The Ravens, you know, over the course of their franchise history, unless it is a star player, at least over these last couple of years and then the John Harbaugh era, the last few years of that as well, they don't like to seemingly play these guys very much early on in their NFL careers. They like to take the not wait and see approach, but they like to be able to develop them a bit more and not put them in high pressure situations where they can make mistakes. That's why, you know, for example, Patrick Queen had a bit of a rough go at first where he was a first round pick at an immediate need for the Ravens. He was put in there into the fire and the Ravens said, all right, you go and you do your thing. So when Tyree Phillips won that starting job from DJ Fluker, that was a shock. The Ravens, I don't think that move was something a lot of people expected. A lot of people expected the veteran to get the nod. And so for the Ravens, with this left guard competition coming up here between the three Bens, maybe the Ravens look to Ben Powers at first at left guard position and say, hey, you're the veteran. You can go in there and do this. But if Cleveland impresses enough in training camp, they ideally wouldn't say no to the better player. But we'll see what happens with that pick. So at the end of the day, Ben Cleveland, I think a phenomenal pick. For this Ravens team, I'm giving it an A here. And then let's talk about 104, arguably the most controversial selection in the entire 2021 draft for this Baltimore Ravens team. And that is Brandon Stevens, the defensive back out of SMU. Now, I'll admit, you know, at first I thought this was a bit of a reach. I, I didn't think it was an overly big reach because I had seen Stevens mocked before in the late third, early fourth, but he was, I think, a consensus fourth to fifth round guy, a day three guy, you know, early to mid day three guy, but 
I didn't think at 104 he was the best player that the Ravens could have taken. I think they could have probably gotten more value out of that selection and taken Stevens with 131 or with 171. But I think that with Baltimore... They liked him enough. They liked his athletic ability. They liked his production enough to take him at 104 and say, this is probably a bit of a project for us. But the Ravens took a project in Arafe Owe in the first round. They weren't scared of taking on another project early in this draft process. They probably felt like they were deep enough at safety, which is kind of interesting because they weren't deep at safety, but he came out, Brandon Stevens came out as a cornerback. The Ravens, I think, view him more as a safety. That's why I said they probably viewed themselves a bit deeper at safety. But what I what I view Brandon Stevens as initially is someone who's going to be a special teams contributor. One of the biggest losers of this draft process to me for the Ravens was Jordan Richards. I think what the Ravens are doing here is they're probably going to let go of Jordan Richards at the end of training camp and probably have Brandon Stevens take on that role because with Anthony Levine and with Jordan Richards, two great special teamers, but they don't need two veteran guys who play kind of the same role. They're not exactly the same. They both have value on special teams in a bit different of a way. But I think what the Ravens are going to try to do here is kind of develop Brandon Stevens at first as a special teamer, not really put him in a bunch of defensive situations, kind of feel out where his skill set fits better on the defense, use him on special teams, kind of make him into that special teams guy. Anthony Levine can take him under his wing, but I think that spells trouble for Jordan Richards. And normally it wouldn't be a problem, right? If the Ravens just had Deshaun Elliott, Chuck Clark, Brandon Stevens, Jordan Richards, Anthony Levine, Geno Stone. That's six, that's six safeties. That's six safeties. The Ravens are probably going to keep five safeties. So what you have is probably a battle between Jordan Richards and Geno Stone, but what I'm doing is I'm going to factor in the Ardarius Washington signing here for a second. Again, nothing official, nothing official yet, but he did post two pictures, two stories on Instagram of him in a Ravens uniform saying, let's work. So I think he's, it, it will be official in the coming days here, but assuming Ardarius Washington is coming to make this team, he's coming in to try to make this team. I think it's going to be a battle between Ardarius Washington and Geno Stone for that final safety spot. Their team is probably going to keep five safeties. That puts Jordan Richards on the outside and one of Ardarius Washington or Geno Stone on the outside. I think Stevens takes Richards' spot. But for Stevens as a player, someone who's really raw, you know, transferred to SMU after a second year of college at UCLA, played running back at UCLA, transferred over and switched over to defensive back. Averaged 11 pass breakups per year, though. 12 in his first year, 10 in his second year, had an interception in his second year at SMU. Decent ball skills, decent ability to keep up with receivers, just isn't quite there yet. And I think that's where a lot of people were kind of in shock with the pick about, oh my God, why are we taking another project? What is this? We could have gotten him later. I, I agree with that. But the more I kind of looked into Brandon Stevens, and look, I'll admit, it's okay to have an, an initial reaction about a pick, right? There's nothing wrong with that in my eyes. But I also think that, you know, for me at least, I didn't really know a lot about Brandon Stevens. I, again, heard it. I've heard his name. I had heard him mocked places, but I, I never really looked into his game deeply. So, my initial thought was, hey, this might be a bit of a reach, but now talking about it with people and kind of looking into his film a bit and his traits, it's not as big as a reach as I thought, you know. We'll see how this pans out in a couple years. Maybe we can say it was a reach, but it is okay to have that initial reaction, and I do think it was a reach. He has all the good traits, good intangibles, and probably is going to be able to make an impact on special teams early for this team, but... 
I think that the Ravens maybe, you know, could have taken him at 131, but I was also hearing that teams were liking Stevens. They liked what they heard out of Stevens, and they liked interviewing Stevens and his traits and his ability. So, you know, Baltimore, they didn't want to risk him not being there for them at 131 or 136. So instead of trading back, which they probably could have done and maybe taken him there, they decided to get their guy and make sure that they got their guy. Stevens will probably transition over to safety from cornerback for the Ravens. I'll give this one a C plus right now. I'm not very high on the pick at this moment. I'm a bit higher than others, I think. Some people just hate it and, and give it an F. But I, I think the Stevens has a lot of potential. You know, I'm not going to judge anything based off of, you know, what I've seen on tape. I'll, I'll give it a couple years here. I'll see what he does in training camp. But it'll be a couple years of Brandon Stevens. I think he's a bit more of a project pick. We're going to head into our final break now. But when we return... We're going to be taking a look at day three for the Ravens, talking about who they took in rounds four through seven. So stay tuned for that, and we'll be right back. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar is even more delicious with six new flavors, including caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Built Bars are healthy. They're great for the health conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. So be sure to go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off of your next order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And we return here with our final segment of this Monday edition of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still here with you. And we're now going to get into day three, rounds four through seven for the Ravens and their 2021 draft class. And the Ravens did not have a pick in rounds six or seven, the first time in franchise history that was the case. But having one pick in round four and three picks in round five after making a trade with the Arizona Cardinals, they traded pick number 136 and number 210 to the Arizona Cardinals for number 160 and a 2022 fourth round pick, a trade that I think was a really good one for the team. I don't think nine players are making this roster, nine draft picks are making their roster. I don't think that was going to happen. They have a pretty big roster crunch over there in Baltimore already. So I think that, you know, getting rid of one of their 2021 draft picks, moving that over to 2022, and it's a fourth rounder. So the Ravens can use that in a trade or they can just use it to pick somebody in that draft. I think that was a good deal. But for the Ravens and the guys they actually did select, we'll start here with number 131, where the Ravens went and got a second wide receiver. Tylen Wallace, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma State, was the selection. And if you've been listening to this show and you've heard me talk about my thoughts on the Ravens drafting two wide receivers in the 2021 draft, you know I'm going to have a lot to say about this one. And for those who haven't heard me talk about this, well, I'm about to tell you why my stance on two receivers getting drafted by the Ravens is what it is. So at the end of the day, the Ravens do draft two wide receivers, Rashad Bateman in the first round, Tylen Wallace in the fourth round. And this is nothing against Tylen Wallace as a player. I love this pick. I love this selection. I love the player. Wallace stands at just 5'11", weighs 193 pounds, but plays with so much toughness. I've seen the Steve Smith Sr. comparison thrown around. Obviously, he has a lot of work to do before he gets there, but he does have some of those traits. He is a willing blocker. He fights for the football. You know, probably is going to align mostly at the Z spot for the Ravens on the outside. Just because he's 5'11 doesn't mean he's a slot guy. He is an outside receiver. I mean, he's someone who is interesting because in Oklahoma State's air raid offense, he didn't really get a lot of responsibilities as a true route runner that runs, you know, eight routes, nine routes, 10 routes. 
didn't really do a lot with that. Usually was utilized on those 50-50 balls where he could get up there. He gets up there and catches the football. He is a tough receiver, gets up to the catch point, strong hands, able to contort his body. I love Tylen Wallace, the player. Now, what does this mean for the Ravens roster? Because obviously the Ravens are not going to move off of two very talented wide receivers in the first year of their rookie year. There's no way Rashad Bateman goes anywhere, and there's no way Tylen Wallace goes anywhere. The Ravens now have seven wide receivers who could realistically make this roster in 2021. You have, obviously, Marquise Brown, you have Devin Duvernay, you have Bateman, and you have Wallace, and you also have new addition Sammy Watkins. But you also have Miles Boykin, and you also have James Prochet. That's seven guys right there. The Ravens now have a decision to make because... Their offense right now does not justify them, in my opinion, keeping seven receivers on the roster. They are probably going to shift more to a passing offense in 2021. That, that's not a doubt of mine. I think they are definitely going to start shifting over a bit. They're still going to be a run-heavy offense, but I think they're going to start throwing the football more. So that does mean having more weapons for Lamar Jackson, right? That's great. But I do think now the Ravens have that decision to make. Is Miles Boykin the odd man out or is James Prochet the odd man out? Brown, Duvernay, Watkins, Bateman, Wallace are all safe in my book. What you have now is a competition between an outside wide receiver who is shown to be a good blocker but hasn't really lived up to his expectations as a third round pick in 2019, hasn't really been on the same page as Lamar Jackson over the course of his first years in the league, or James Prochet, who didn't really get a lot of chances in 2020, only one reception, had a really nice route on his one reception. But, you know, is that someone who you want to continue to trust, continue to take a leap of faith with and have him be your sixth wide receiver as someone who didn't get a lot of chances? Do you want to bank on that potential or do you want to bank on the potential of a 6'4 guy in Miles Boykin? It's going to be a battle. I think the Ravens are going to have a battle between Miles Boykin and James Prochet for that sixth wide receiver spot. Look, they could put seven wide receivers on this roster and I could just be wrong, but I highly doubt it. I also doubt the Ravens move Miles Boykin to tight end. Their whole tight end situation we'll talk about here in a couple minutes, but overall, I'll give this pick an A- minus for the Ravens. The reason it's not an A is because I didn't think taking two wide receivers was the best move, but in terms of best player available, yeah, Tylen Wallace at 131. He was a second round prospect in some mocks, and I'm sure, you know, the Ravens were shocked to see him there at 131. So I'll give this an A minus, a great player, great value, but now we'll see what the Ravens do with their wide receiver room. Next, the Ravens again traded 136, and they next picked at 160, where they selected Sean Wade, the cornerback out of Ohio State. And I had talked about Sean Wade on my show before here, and in a couple mocks I did. I think this is a great pick. Sean Wade, someone who, if he did come out during the 2020 draft, probably would have been a first, second round pick, played great in the nickel at Ohio State and was a really, really good slot cornerback for the Buckeyes defense, but transitioned out to the outside in 2020, did not have a great year. He said that he was dealing with deaths of people close to him and turf toe and just overall switching to the outside. He, he's, he's an inside guy. He is a slot cornerback. I had talked on this show for countless hours about how the Ravens should draft a Tavon Young insurance policy. This is not anything against Tavon Young, but the Ravens just cannot rely on the health of Young anymore. So the Ravens go out there, they get a really nice slot cornerback who has a bit of developing to do, 
but showed flashes of being an elite nickel cornerback in a very good Ohio State defense. This is what the Ravens needed. I had talked about Shakur Brown. I talked about Diamondor Lenoir before, but I think Sean Wade fits what they do. He is a hard hitter, good in coverage, can play up against the run. He kind of checks all the boxes, just needs to hone in a bit more on all of his skills. So I'll, I'll give this pick an A minus again. I think that, you know, obviously with the fifth rounder, sixth rounder, seventh rounders, you're looking to get the best value possible, fill positions of need as well. I think Baltimore did that. I like this pick a lot, and I think he doesn't land in a better spot than Baltimore. I think this is the best landing spot for him, learning from a great deal of great corners, and the Ravens have a history of developing those guys, so I think Wade is in a good situation right now. Next for the Ravens at pick number 171, Daylon Hayes, the edge out of Notre Dame, was the selection. The Ravens end up going with two edge players here. Another thing I wasn't so sure they were going to do. Hayes, the player, is really good. Has a lot of length, a lot of nice intangibles, athletic traits that the Ravens can use and hone in on, develop. Really good against the run. Daylon Hayes right now is a very good run defender. Has to hone a bit more in though on his pass rushing moves, but the thing I like about Hayes is he can drop back into coverage. Very good one dropping back into coverage. I think that's something the Ravens would like to use him in as, but I think this is going to be more of a a red shirt year for Dalen Hayes. I think that the Ravens already have some guys that they want to utilize a bit more. Obviously, Odafe always going to get some run. Jalen Ferguson, I think Jalen Ferguson is kind of a wild card, especially if the Ravens do end up signing Justin Houston, which again, at the time of this recording has not happened. So if it happens, if it doesn't, not so sure on my end here at this point in time yet. But yeah, again, and then Tyus Bowser, Pernod McPhee. So I think they might redshirt Dalen Hayes a bit because he is very raw as a pass rusher, but has that athletic upside. So the Ravens, again, have developed guys like Matthew Judon, Zedarius Smith, a lot of others in the late round pass rushing situations. Pernod McPhee, another one. So I think that the Ravens, I'll give them a B for this pick. I think this was a nice pick, a very high upside pick. Maybe a few players I would have maybe taken instead. Quincy Roche, another edge, maybe I would have taken over Dalen Hayes, but I, I like the pick. I think it gives the Ravens a lot of upside they can work to utilize. Finally here, the Ravens at pick number 184 select Ben Mason, the fullback slash defensive lineman slash tight end out of Michigan. You know, that's what he's listed as on sports reference. He's a Patrick Ricard clone. Kind of odd usage at Michigan. Had 33 carries for 80 yards in his sophomore season. Other than that, had 12 carries total over the last three years of his college career at Michigan. Had three receptions and did score a touchdown in terms of his actual catching numbers, but the Ravens, I think, wanted the depth. Patrick Ricard, a free agent after this upcoming year. So maybe the Ravens want to look ahead to the future a bit. John Harbaugh did say in his post-draft press conference that Mason was someone who his parents really liked, their favorite player at Michigan. So that could have had something to do with it. But I mean, I think this 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 is interesting. I didn't really love it at first. I understand where the Ravens were coming from in this situation. I think what the Ravens are planning to do in terms of their scheme, and this is something I'll I'll touch on over the coming months and as the roster continues to take shape and whatnot, but the Ravens have six extremely quality wide receivers right now on their roster. And, you know, whether that is Prochet or Boykin making it in terms of the final wide receiver spot, they at least, if they make one of those guys inactive every week, Boykin or Prochet, they have five that can go out there and contribute at a high level. And I think what the Ravens are probably going to end up doing is kind of staying away from the three tight end sets in terms of pure pass receiving production. You know, I know the Hayden Hurst element was missed in 2020, but I think the Ravens are going to try to go with more three wide, four wide scenarios and three wide, four wide plays 
where they can utilize the receivers to the maximum ability with Mark Andrews, you know, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards in there as well. But I think in turn, they're going to go heavy and they're going to try to go super heavy. You could see two fullback looks. You could use Ben Mason as the inline third tight end. It'll be interesting because I don't see the Ravens keeping four tight ends. I think Ben Mason is this guy for them. You know, Eric Tomlinson, Jacob Breedland, Josh Oliver. Those are all great guys. Eli Wolf as well. Great guys to have, but... I don't know. I see Ben Mason sticking as the third tight end. Maybe the Ravens view him as a fullback and they keep two fullbacks on the roster and and use Breland or Oliver or Tomlinson or Wolf. But I don't know. It's it's it was an interesting selection. Not my favorite. Um, I think they could have gotten better value with a better positional grouping. You know, offensive tackle, defensive tackle. But the Ravens liked him enough to the point where they made him a fifth-round selection. 6'3", 254 pounds. Very tough guy. A very good blocker. He was utilized, again, in a lot of different ways. Can also play on defense. I'm going to give this one a C-. minus. You know, I just think the positional value wasn't there for them. I think they could have gotten someone else who offered them more. But if they plan to utilize him in a way that really maximizes his traits, maximizes his skills then, hey, we can revisit this. And again, I'm not I'm not going to judge Ben Mason just because, you know, I didn't think the Ravens got the best positional value. I think he's a phenomenal player. I, you know, I just don't think taking a fullback slash tight end who doesn't really have a ton of experience at tight end in certain situations was the best move for them. So I'll give it a C minus. But I think overall, the Ravens had a very nice draft. They got positional value. They addressed positional needs. And they got good players with athletic upside. They got immediate impact players. A very solid draft class for the Ravens. And as the undrafted free agent list officially trickles in, again, nothing official right now, we should start to see this roster round out here. And again, with the free agents as well, not counting against the compensatory pick formula starting today, the Ravens are going to have a very good roster going into 2021. That's all that I have for you today. When we get back here tomorrow, we'll be continuing to break down the Ravens 2021 draft class. So stay tuned for that. And I will see you tomorrow.